when we scheduled around dad's surgery, I knew I wanted to do this series and I knew we had the trip scheduled, but we kept it a surprise from our kids. So we had to be real cautious about what we, what we said. So we had to just kind of pretend like the series was going to continue. Uh, so we apologize. That was not, we weren't trying to be sneaky. We just, uh, we, well, we were only be trying to be sneaky with our own kids. But <laughs> to get up here and be like, hey, we're going to take a pause for two weeks because we're going somewhere. My kids would have known what's up. So, um, so anyway, we, we thank you, uh, you know, for that, for letting us have that opportunity. We hope you got our video. We hope you enjoyed our video um, that we sent to you. And uh, Eric was so adorable coming out of that ride that night. Uh, he's like, Dad, take my picture. And so I did. He's like, send it to the church. Can you send that to the church? Go, I'll send it to the church, but they won't get it till Sunday. So um, we had a really, really good time. And, and uh, excuse me if I talk during my sermon this week and, and next week, if I talk too much about our trip, um, but if I talk about it enough, I can count it on my taxes. So, uh, so <laughs> just kidding. If the IRS is listening to this recording, which I'm sure you are, uh, I was just joking. Please don't audit me. Please don't audit me. Um, well, today, guys, we are continuing our If Disney, Walt Disney Was a Passenger series as we take a look at various Disney movies um, and some inspiration that we can glean using them as a way, as an object lesson to help us understand scripture. And so it's very, I talked to Megan, I said it's very hard when I, to do a series like this uh, because the danger is we draw things out of scripture to fit the movie instead of using the movie to help us understand scripture. So it's very, very important to me that, that we take scripture first and then use the movies to help us understand that. Um, and so hopefully we've done that thus far in the first two parts and we'll continue to strive for that in the third part. Today, uh, today, I want to just talk about this. Uh, in America and around the world, but really America is the, the biggest culprit, anxiety dis- disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S. Anxiety disorder affects 40 million adults in the United States ages 18 and older, which is just shy of 20% of the adult population. Um, Anxiety disorders affect 25.1% of children, a fourth of our kids between ages 13 and 18, so really our teenagers, one-fourth of them are experiencing some sort of clinical anxiety. Uh, and this is a problem. Uh, this, is a real, this is a real issue. Anxiety is, uh, it's, it's hard for people to cope in a world where they're suffering from anxiety. It's hard to face day-to-day. It's, it's exhausting um, they're, uh, people with anxiety disorder, they're always in a heightened state of alert. Your fight or flight response is always intensified. And so it's an exhausting place to live. And so I think maybe the world needs to heed the advice of a meerkat and a warthog. So this morning I'm going to invite my family to the stage. Are we missing one? Oh, she was so cute in practice. They're playing in Shady Creek. She's not Okay. You know what, I'll, as the children's pastor, the fact that my kid would rather stay in their class, then uh, I guess that's a good thing. But I'll have my boys help me. Who wants the mic? <laughs> Eric's like super nervous. All right, you ready? No one has mics. You got to have mics. That's all right. 
Eric, you know, in some of our pictures, it's like this cute picture of everybody, and then it's like, where's Eric? And he's, hiding, he's behind the seat because he's too short. All right, you ready? You want to sit up here? All right. This one starts right on cue, so if we miss the intro, that's just, uh, I don't have the words, I just have my words. Huh? Oh, man, it's always fun. It was really cute in practice, by the way. Should have. Christine was like way loud. Megan and I had no idea what part we're at. Oh, well, listen. Life is stressful, hectic, and our always on, always available culture only makes it work. Worse, there was a time I remember when my dad could come home from work. Kids don't understand that concept anymore because dad doesn't come home from work unless he brings work home with him. Mom doesn't come home from work. She brings it with her. Uh, It's an unfortunate part of our culture where when I was a kid, when the phone rang during a storm, if dad didn't want to go to work, we didn't answer the phone. (laughs) But they're like, we're not here. It's like hiding under the pillows. They're like, they can't see you. It's just a phone call. But now they have your cell phone. They'll IM you. They'll message on Facebook. They will find you. You do not escape from work. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Megan, bless her heart, she's a travel agent. And travel agents especially, they were like bankers. They worked 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. That was it. If you wanted to plan a trip, you figured out a way to do it. No, man. It's like midnight. People are messaging her. Hey, I want to plan a trip. When? Right now. It's like literally in bed. Not going to do it for you. Um, It's always, it's always, always on. But that increases our anxiety. That increases that that fight or flight response. That's a chemical thing. It's a real natural thing. That increases all those hormones because we are always in a constant state of the anxiety of work. There is no escape like there used to be. It's just we are connected. We are on. We are ready to go at a moment's notice. You know, and, and so akuna matata is this kind of mantra that, that no, it means no worries. It means no worries. So we kind of gravitate towards this kind of idea as an ideal. Um, and in different words, the Bible actually has something to say about worrying. In Matthew chapter 6, that's where our key text today is. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Hakuna Matata. What you will eat or drink. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? I don't know. I kind of like food. (laughs) Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? This is one of my favorite scriptures because it is so, like, sarcastic. Like, can any of you, by worrying, add a single day, a single moment, a single hour to your life? Like, no. Like, what's the point? And why do you worry about clothes? See, the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Trust me, yes, it will. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's so much truth in this scripture. On the surface, it's easy to say, don't worry. I mean, it's easy for me to walk up here and be like, don't worry. Have a good day, everybody. Peace out, akuna matata. But to really put it into practice is a much more difficult thing indeed. In fact, doing so carelessly can often be more dangerous than the worrying. What do I mean by that? The akuna matata philosophy is at its core nihilistic. It believes, it, it ascribes to this belief that nothing matters. Nihilism is the belief that there is no religion, there is no God, there is, it is like, it's basically atheism at an extreme to the point where nothing matters. And if nothing matters, you're, there's no reason to worry because nothing matters in life. In fact, Timon and Puma in the movie Lion King are, in my opinion, are like textbook nihilists. They just, hey, we're just gonna eat what's in front of us. We're just gonna you know, swing around, do, do our own thing. We don't care because nothing matters. Nothing does. And so their philosophy of Akuna Matata is birthed in this, this belief, this incomplete and really unhealthy belief that if nothing matters, there's no reason to worry about it, which is super, super dangerous because you get lazy and you get careless and you actually can cause a lot of damage in the world you live in. Um, so if akuna matata means no worries and the Bible says do not worry, but that's a nihilistic belief and we're not nihilists, uh, how then are we to understand the words do not worry, which are laid out for us in scripture? In the Lion King, the movie, Simba must face his responsibilities. While Akuna Matata is definitely one of the more memorable and enjoyable parts of the film, it's actually the opposite of the moral of the story. Simba must return to Pride Rock and face the responsibilities he had left behind. He does so only when he remembers who he is, who he was made to be, not a carefree lion eating bugs in an oasis, the son of Mufasa. Is anybody here like roller coasters? Coasters? Um, today, today, we're going to do something fun with a roller coaster, but first I want to show you some. I, I, I picked out, it was hard for me to pick out, but I did pick out some pictures of some people on roller coasters. Um, I'm going to flip this off so you can see this a little bit more clearly. Um, so go ahead, Nick. We'll just kind of one at a time on these. Uh, Look at this, this is, I love this. This is Slinky Dog Dash, which is one of the newer rides at Walt Disney World. Um, look at this, this, he's having a blast. Uh, go ahead, we'll go to the next one here. Uh, this is Seven Doors Mine Train. This was Christine's first roller coaster. Um, first roller coaster, I see one hand up, one hand tightly gripping mom. Uh, the boys having a blast out of their lives. Go ahead, next one. Uh, this is us uh, on a return voyage. I gotta ride along. Um, so again, She's holding on, but the boys, man, hands up, smiles on. Let's see. I know these are a little hard to see out there. I apologize. I've been trying to, yeah, yeah, to her, yeah. Uh, I apologize. I've been trying to get a new screen. I can't get the budget for it. Next one. 
there's uh, Seven Doors Mind Trades again. Uh, and, uh, there's Christine somewhere is right here. Uh, boys, hands up. Yeah, okay, next one. I love that. Look at that. Look at those faces. <laughs> hands in mom's face. I'm in the back here. You can kind of see me. Next. Yeah. This is us on Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, we were a little bored. We fell asleep. <laughs> Megan, Megan, Megan uh, is putting on her lipstick. <laughs> so, all right, next one. Uh, this, oh, this is, I don't know who that is. Uh, some guy on his phone. That's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, at least, at least there's only one picture of that. So, uh, oh, <laughs> that's. The glare off this picture is really bright. I cover the glare. Uh, well, I mean, I was having the time of my life, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was obviously, I was very busy. Like I said, work never leaves you alone, folks. You know, it's like on the roller coaster. Like, nope, I got to reply to this text message. All right, we're going to do something fun here. Uh, we're going to ride a roller coaster together. If you don't like roller coasters, I promise you this is totally safe. It's, it's to- you're not even going to get motion sickness, okay? So this is, if you didn't take your medicine this morning, that's okay. It's going to be a lot of fun. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ride a roller coaster. So here's what I want everyone to participate. I know how y'all are. All right, first of all, this is an over-shoulder harness, so let's, uh, let's harness and All right, you ready? Get on, get on. All right, everyone, d- d- just pull, pull on the strap for me. Pull on the strap for me. I'm going to make sure everyone's... Okay, here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. You ready? You ready? Oh, here it comes. Whoa, you got to follow me. Whoa, 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 whoa. motion sickness. Whoa! 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 Here comes the whip! Whoa! <laughs> one guy on his phone. There's always that one guy. No. Alright, that was fun! That was fun! I love a good roller coaster! I do. Megan, not so much! I love a good roller coaster, man. I, I'm telling you, we, we rode, Zach and I rode all the thrill rides, all of them. Zach's my little thrill buddy. Eric and mom got, and Christine got ice cream while we were riding the Tower of Terror. I mean, we love the thrill rides. And those of us who love roller coasters, um, we do so for a reason. I mean, sure, the twists and turns are exhilarating, but the reason we enjoy roller coasters is because we trust the builders. I was on a roller coaster once. I was on, it's called The Boss at Six Flags. And I'm riding it with a guy who has ridden this ride a bunch of times. And also is a mechanic, so he understands how things work. And I'm riding this ride, which is a fast coaster. And we're going, and all of a sudden, this guy who's not, he's not really, like, I'm fairly goofy with things. He's not so much. So he's a guy I could trust, I thought. And we're riding, and we're coming to this really fast part, and all of a sudden, he starts flipping out. Something's wrong! Something's wrong! This is not right! This is not right! Losing his mind. And I'm like, he's just messing with me, and I look over, and he's got, like, sheer terror on his face. And I'm like, is he, is he messing? He's not messing. He's serious. We're going to die! I get off the ride. I look at my brother-in-law, Brent. I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> but 
I'm sure I'm white as a ghost at that point. <laughs> Those of us who enjoy roller coasters do so because we trust the builders and we don't ride with idiots. The ups and downs and the twists and turns, while completely out of our control, we trust them. Normally, when things are that out of control, it's a non-starter. Hey, we're going to put you on this thing. You're going to have no control over it. Uh-uh, nope. Why? Because we like to be in control. We love, we love having our, our, our mitts on it. We love being able to manipulate things to our comfort level. So normally, the idea of a roller coaster being out of our control is a non-starter. But because we trust the builders, those of us who do enjoy the ride. We just anticipate that we're not going to die today. I always say a little prayer right before I go on a roller coaster, just in case. Like, Jesus, I hope I'm doing good today. If I die, take care of my family. But, well, I wasn't screaming, crying it like you were. Oh, and like life, our lives are like a roller coaster. Um, and you will, you will get very frustrated always worrying about the next turn or flip or about trying to control the direction of the cart. The only way to enjoy the ride of life is to put your hands in the air and yell enthusiastically and trust the builder. Let me tell you, the only way you're going to enjoy this thing called life is to recognize that you're not always in control. But it's okay because the guy who is in control, the guy who the engineered the twists and turns and the loop-de-loops is worth trusting. He's trustworthy. Life, though, I recognize is more complicated than that. When you're in financial trouble, you can't just sit back and hope that the checking account fills itself back up. Like, hey, I'm in financial trouble. I'm going to quit my job, chill out, do not worry about tomorrow. What's up? Hakuna Matata. <laughs> I mean, you've got to get up and do something about it. You've got to get up to go to work, and you've got to work hard, and you've got to stop spending money on things you don't need. But you don't have to worry. There's a, there's a key in there. You see, yeah, you have to do some things. In fact, let me just give you a little piece of life advice that I am so grateful I learned young um, because Meg and I just went on this vacation and, and I, I talked to my dad and I said, Dad, the only reason we were able to do this and the only reason we were able to enjoy this trip is because seven years ago, we made the decision to get out of debt completely. The only reason we've been able to do a lot of things we've been able to do in our, in our lives, is because seven years ago, we made a decision to get out of debt, and we, and we stuck with it and did it, and I, I'm telling you that as just kind of a little piece of advice that uh, we were reaping the benefits today, and hopefully tomorrow, and, and weeks, and years down the road, because of a decision that took us time. We made a decision, and we had to, we had to work at it. We had to sacrifice. And we, had to, we had to do a lot of things differently, but once we hit that milestone in our life, our worry level went way down because all of a sudden there's a lot fewer people screaming for that paycheck at the, at the beginning of the month. And so uh, that's just a little piece of life advice. If you want to eliminate some worry out of your life, yes, it will take you some time, but it will pay dividends for years and years and years down the future. Um, uh, you, let's see, where was I? Uh, life though, but you don't have to worry. Uh, you can trust 
you can trust that what's laid out in front of you financially, that if you follow the path God has set in motion, that things will turn out fine. That things will turn out fine. I have known people who had a lot of money and didn't trust the Lord and didn't follow him and they ended up in terrible spots. And I have known very poor people who trusted God and they may never have been rich. I'm not promising you that. I'm the wrong kind of preacher and this is the wrong kind of church for that message. I will tell you, you may always be poor. (laughs) Don't get up and leave. Come back. You may always be poor, in like financially, like poverty level, government, all that stuff. You may always be. I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about it because it doesn't matter because God's in control. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, you may have to work harder than other people, but God's in control. God's in control. There are things in our lives we're constantly going to be faced with. That's a financial, I know financial worries is one of the biggest things that people worry about. In fact, did you know that financial fights are one of, one of the top two or three causes for divorce? Really? People, I fell out of love with him. No, you just couldn't agree on the checkbook. Well, that's a terrible reason to get a divorce, but it's one of the number one causes for divorce. And, and that's a problem because it's one of the number one sources of anxiety. And when we're anxious we have trouble communicating with other people because we're trying to grasp control even from our own spouse instead of throwing our hands up and saying, Jesus got me. Jesus, take the wheel. Not that wheel, Jesus. <laughs> and then there's real things in life that we face. Um, and you know, I have a friend I went to college with him and this guy and his wife, they have a couple of kids he and his wife both went to college with me. We're friends of mine in college. And so he's, he's my age, you know, um, 34. And they, um, they are two of the people that love Jesus as much as anybody I've ever known. They are as committed to him as anybody I've ever known. They are the, some of the kindest people I've ever known. Honestly, they're some of the best people I've ever known. And he just... Um, just found out that he, I don't know how long he's known, but he just made it known publicly that he's been diagnosed with a very, very rare form of lymphoma, a Burkitt something, a Burkitt lymphoma, I think. Uh, it's a very rare form, and it's really weird because it's like, it's, mo- it's, it's most common in like Africa. It's most common in people who have had AIDS. It's most common in people like, it's this, there's all of these things that where if you were gonna get it, there's all of these classifiers that don't fit him at all. He's American, he's, um, in fact, 1,200 Americans a year average are diagnosed with this, so it's super rare. Um, there is some treatment for it, and he's pursuing that, but this is a, a very young man who, who has a lot of things he could worry about, and when he announces it, there was not one ounce of fear in his post. There was not one drop of worry. So then I follow, you know, we're friends on Facebook, so I I see yesterday or the day before he posted this. It's a Bible verse. It's John 5, 24. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. These are the words of Jesus. And then he hashtagged it, no fear in death. And it's easy for me to stand up here and say no fear in death. Yeah, I have no fear in death. I'm not afraid of dying. Bring it at me. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Booyah. 
It's easy for me to say that because death isn't knocking on my doorstep. But for him, it is. And for him, it's, it's a reality that he's actually staring down and he's not worried. And I, I mean, maybe he has a little bit of anxiety about it, maybe. But he hasn't, he hasn't, doesn't show that. And I think the reason he doesn't is because he actually believes what he says he believes. I think the reason why he, he can say no fear in death and post something like that as he stares death down the barrel, I think the reason he can do that is because he truly believes in his heart of hearts that Jesus is in control. And if he lives, it's the testimony of God's healing. And if he dies, he walks into heaven's courts and God will take care of his family. Amen. And I only hope that when my day comes to stare death down, that I can do so with confidence, like my friend. And I can do so with the assurance of the cross. And I can do so with the confidence of Paul to say, man, you, if I live, that's, that's me and Christ in, in, in life together. And we're gonna, we're gonna preach the cross of Christ as long as I'm alive. But when I die, I'm the one who benefits because I walk into his, his courts forever and always. And so listen to me. We, we have worries and we have fears and, and we have anxieties and some of them are seem huge i work with kids a lot i love kids uh i go pick up my kids from school and they're usually always i think they're always the last classes which drives me crazy which means there's a swarm of kids that comes out to their parents and i love that there's they, they a lot of them will come and sit by me and chat with me uh while they're waiting for their parents to get there because i'm always there usually they're pretty early and so the kids will come up and they'll tell me about their day and, and I love it. It's one of my favorite days. They're not church kids. They're just kids that I've met through kids' adventures and things and, and, uh, and I love having those conversations with them. But in the conversations I have with kids, it's so, it's so funny to hear what they're worried about. I mean, kids like, kids, they worry about things and we have a tendency as adults to say, oh honey, that's not a big deal. You don't even know worry. You don't even know problems. Call me back when the debt collector's calling you every week. You know, you've got a C on your math test, boo-hoo, all right? I got cancer, big C, booyah. Like, we have a tendency to mitigate little kids' problems. When I, was, when I was in third grade, I got a C on a spelling test, and I was, in, I was a kid who did really well in school, and I got a C on a spelling test, and it crushed me. I still remember it. I mean, it affected me, crushed me. I had nightmares about it until Friday when I aced it. But on Thursday, on Thursday, those 10 spelling words seemed like this mountain that I would never climb. And in my world, that was one of the biggest things I had ever faced. And it's easy as adults to say, oh honey, it's not a big deal. But in a kid's world, and this is the kid's pastor and me trying to, to help you guys understand kids a little bit. In a kid's world, it is the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing they have to face right now. And so, yeah, it's a big thing. But we need to teach them now, instead of just akuna matata, nothing matters, we need to teach them, yeah, what are you gonna do about it? Are you gonna study your spelling words so you don't, don't miss on Friday? There are things we need to teach them how to take responsibility. But we also need to teach them and say, honey, I know you're really, really worried about this test tomorrow. I know you're really worried about this friendship right now that seems to be on the rocks. But I wanna tell you, Jesus says, don't worry. Jesus says, don't worry. But mom, it's huge. I'm so scared. I'm so, uh, what, what if my friend never talks to me again? You say, honey, Jesus will help you through that. 
They might not ever talk to you again. And that would, that would hurt, wouldn't it? That would really crush you. Yeah, it would. It would crush me too if one of my friends didn't talk to me anymore. But Jesus says not to worry about things like that because he'll take care of us. He'll be our friend. Okay. And what if your friend, what if you go be kind and maybe they will. They'll probably will actually talk to you. Sometimes kids just fight. Sometimes grown-ups fight. But we move on. And a kid begins to understand at a small age. Instead of just brushing their problems aside, they begin to understand how to deal with their problems and how to deal with their problems without getting anxious and worried. And, and, and if we can teach kids that, to trust Jesus on the roller coaster of life when, the hills are still, when they're still on the kiddie coaster, when we can teach them that, yeah, that's the biggest hill you've ever faced, buddy, but wait for the loop-de-loop. <laughs> but when we can teach them to trust Jesus with those things, we create a generation of teenagers that one-fourth of aren't suffering from clinical anxiety. Uh, I recognize the chemicals. I recognize the science. Please, I understand science really well. It's my, one of my passions, okay? So I understand the science and the chemicals in play. But there are, there are things we can do to help set a developing brain to help them grow healthy patterns that will keep them from f- experiencing those those uh, chemical imbalances later. And so there are, you can set pathways and, the, and a child's brain is the, is the best point to do that because the pathways are still in major development mode. And so um, it's so, so important. But adults and grownups, we, we also have to, to understand something that when we look at a kid's problem, we say, that's not a big deal. You have no idea what a big problem is. That perspective changes worry. Your problem looks huge today. And let me just tell you, as you get older, you'll realize that problem was nothing because there's a lot bigger ones you're gonna face down the road. Huge problems, giant problems. You haven't even even scratched the iceberg yet of problems. It just gets worse. It just, life just gets worse. Perspective changes worry. When we step back and we look at our problems from a different angle, from a different viewpoint, sometimes we see that maybe they're not as big a deal as we originally thought. As with Simba, the way to have no worries even in the midst of this crazy life is to remember who you are. You are the son or daughter of the king. You are bought with a price. You're worth the very blood of Jesus. Your value is not found in your appearance, your possessions, your education, or even your family. It's found only in whose you are. You are his. You belong to the king. You are the son. You are the daughter of the king. And your problems, listen, when David faced Goliath, y'all know that story. David, a little young teenager, brings food to his brothers who are in the army and he walks out and his brothers are cowering in fear alongside the entire Israelite army. And where's the king? Oh, he's the biggest coward of all, hiding in the corner. We can't face, what's going on, David says? What's the problem? What are y'all so worried about? There's a giant. He's gonna kill us. And David said, where? Where? Here he comes. Where's the giant? He's right there. He's nine feet tall. He's huge. He's got the armor in it. But David says, but where's the giant? You mean that man? That man out there with a stick and a piece of metal on his head? Can you not see the whole, the armor? Brothers, I could kill him with a, a rock. 
No, you couldn't. David, shut up. Why are you even here, David? Apparently, I'm here because all you sissies wouldn't do anything about it, so God had to bring in the big guns. Bam! Slingshot! David looks at Goliath, the, the, the premier warrior of his time, the champion of champions, and David was unconcerned with how big Goliath was because he knew how big God was. It did not faze him. It did not worry him. It, it, it tickled. Ha! Huh, that guy. Do you forget who you are, Israelite army? Do you forget that we serve a God who parts seas and moves mountains? That we serve a God who speaks through fire? You forget about all this? You're worried about a nine-foot-tall guy? I'm pretty sure David invented the words, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Watch this. The kid can't even lift his sword. David brings a rock to a knife fight. I mean, this is, un this is stupid. And yet he does it because he was unconcerned with how big Goliath was. I am telling you right now, your worry seems big. Your frustration, your, your life right now, the problems in your life may seem huge if, huge if you look at the problem. And if all you're focused on is the problem in front of you, yes, it looks very, very big. But if you focus on God, that problem all of a sudden doesn't. All of a sudden, I mean, what's a $10,000 medical bill to a guy who owns 10,000 cattle? Or 1,000 cattle, cattle on 10,000, whatever it is. Lots of cows. Lots of cows. Lots of them. <laughs> which are very expensive. If you know anything about cattle farming, it's, they're very expensive. I'm sure. I don't know anything about cattle farming personally, but I like milk and I love beef. So listen, more than anything, our very own Uncle Scar, Satan himself, would love for you to forget that fact. He'd love for a child of God to worry so much that they run from the very life God has planned for them. He'd love for fear and anxiety to paralyze you to the point that you don't walk in faith any longer. You see, the, the opposite of worry isn't carefree. The opposite of worry is not apathy. The opposite of worry is not laziness. The opposite of worry is faith. And what does faith do? Faith says, God, God, I trust you. You tell me where to go. You put my feet in motion. I'll go where you go. Hands up, screaming the whole way. All right? If you've ever seen, there's a picture. I, I wish I would have thought. Um, but there's a picture of a kid on a roller coaster just like, I think it's his sister or mom next to him. Like, ah! And the kid's like, like terrified. And I love that look because that's like me when I'm on God's plan. It's like God's over there like, this is great. I'm like, not great, not great. This is not fun. First time I ever took Kinsey on a roller coaster is a Mall of America. And it's just one that the track spins as you're going. It's terrible, it's stupid, it's, it's crazy. And, and, and so you're like, you're in it and it's spinning and it's going up and down. And it's the whole thing. And I'm like, hey, Kinsey, this is gonna be great. You're gonna love it, you're gonna love it. She gets on, she's sitting across from me. She's going, <laughs> like, just totally terrified. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just like scarred my sister forever. Um, but, Satan would love for us to forget how big our God is. Amen, right. But if you want to live a life free from worry, if you want to live a life where your anxieties all of a sudden you have peace, the opposite of worry is faith. Yeah. 
the opposite of worry. Trust the builder. Yeah, there's ups and downs. There's curves and twists and loop-de-loos. Trust the builder. Remember who you are. Hakuna Matata. I don't worry because God's got this. God's got this. If you all remember in the, the economy collapse and all of those, the recession, his words became a popular thing, too big to fail. There were organizations that were too big to fail. And so the government made sure that they, let me just tell you, I don't care who you are. It, when Jesus sees you, he says you are too important to fail. He is going to do everything he can. He's going to kick down walls. He's going to, to light up shadows. He's going to do everything he can to find you and to rescue you because in his mind, you are too valuable to let go. And that is a message for every single person in here. That is not a message for celebrity pastors only. That is not me- a, a, a message only for politicians who are gonna change the world. That is a message for every single person in here. God loves you so much. You are too big to let go of. And you have to rest in that. You have to trust in that. You're gonna sleep like a baby tonight. You're gonna sleep like a baby. You know why? Because you're gonna go to bed tonight remembering, man, my God's got this. I don't need Ambien. I just need Jesus. You might need Ambien too if you have, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not anti-medicine or anything. I'm just saying. Some of you just need Jesus. That's all you need. Some of you need Jesus and Ambien. And so like, whatever, I don't Listen, remember, remember who you are. When you're lost, when you're worried, when you're scared, when you're afraid, remember. Stand tall, stand proud. You are the son of Yahweh. You are the daughter of Yahweh. The God who spun the planets into motion cares about you. He loves you. Your worry, I know it seems huge. And to you, in your world, it is focus on the God who's so much bigger. Dear God, we, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the faith of a man like my friend Michael who looks death in the eye and says, have your best, but I got Jesus. There's nothing you can do to me. I thank you for the faith of a young teenage boy named David who stood against Goliath without fear, without worry, without anxiety because he only saw the God who was bigger. The size of the rock he held didn't matter. All he knew that he was supposed to throw it. And he let God handle the rest. God, I thank you when Jesus, you yourself told us, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll take care of you. Let's just get through today. God, I thank you that we can learn as we go through this roller coaster of life that you tell us in your word, yep, it's scary. Yep, it's up, it's down, it's all around. But put your hands up and enjoy the ride because I got you. And I will let nothing happen to you. So God, this morning we remember not to worry. Not to worry because our God is great and we are his. And we are his. We thank you for that promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, next week, part four. Where are we gonna go? I bet it'll surprise you. I bet it'll surprise you.